at Bush Gardens Christmas Town. Rekindle the spirit of holiday traditions for you and your family. Delight in the wonder of over 10 million twinkling lights. Cherish the moments as you enjoy new holiday shows and visit Santa and Rudolph. And immerse yourself in a world transformed by the season at the world's most beautiful theme park. The holidays shine brightest at Bush Gardens Christmas Town. Select dates through January 2nd. Right now, it's the best deal of the season. Save over 50% with tickets as low as $24.99. Restrictions apply. Hi, I didn't think you meant me. Hi, everyone. I've been, I'm very refreshed. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. Hello. Doing pretty good. Hello. I'm doing well. I was talking to myself on the bus, yeah, listening to, <laughs> listening to everyone else. I mean, honestly, I was just nodding a lot because I was really excited that everyone was kind of mentioning these names and these um, these films and series that, that really meant a lot to me um, growing up and still today. And as, you know, as an animator, they, you know, they resonate with me and and are quite special. But there are two big moments for me where I went, okay, this is animation is really important to me the first was when i was really young i used to watch a lot of disney cartoons as a kid but i had a really i had a special uh place for pinocchio i don't know why just the story i think is amazing it's masterfully told and it's it's really creative i think it's you know uh i i it's a little it sounds a bit wrong to say but no i, I, think, I can understand no. why well you haven't heard what i'm about to say Oh, I sort of, I sort of think of Snow White as like the necessary film that Disney had to make. Great, okay, you can do it. You you can make a feature cartoon, but Pinocchio is the one where it's like we know what we're doing, and I think everyone was pretty much at the top of their game and innovating and really you know pushing what animation was at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's uh, it just it still holds up. It's amazing, Definitely. and. I watched that and I was obsessed with it. And I told my teacher, I'm going to be an animator, like on Pinocchio. (laughs) 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 On Pinocchio 2. Oh, no, the sequel. Yeah, it's really boring because he's already a a real boy. (laughs) Um, And the other, I also also watched a lot of Powerpuff Girls and Dex's Lab as a kid. They had a really strong effect on everything I drew because they're quite simple to look at and I thought well I can draw like that you know I can't I can't draw like Disney I can't draw Hercules 
But I looked at like the Powerpuff Girls and went, oh, it's a circle with legs. And that really opened up, you know, drawing for me, drawing cartoons. But I think one of the most recent and most significant moments for me was watching Ponyo. Um, the scene where she's running on the waves. I was. Oh, in, yeah, that's a, that's a I was classic in, image. I, I was in college at the time. And actually, uh, so Ponyo wasn't released, and my friend had it um, on like a, a Japanese DVD. And we watched it one evening. And it was like no one else was there in the room with me. <laughs> I was just watching this film. And the scene when she was running on the waves, I was. I felt like I was watching Pinocchio again. I felt like five years old. And I went, that's it. I'm going to be an animator because of scenes like this. Mm-hmm. Um, so for those reasons, Pinocchio and Ponyo, they're my movies. And, and Ratatouille as well, when I was <laughs> at university, had a similar effect on me. So that was a really, really long-winded answer. I'm sorry. It's all right. <laughs> um, I've always said that. Okay, well, uh, thematically... It's as considered as Princess Mononoke. And I think that that is why it's so such an amazing film to me. Because thematically, there's so much going on with, with, um, with relationships, with, with grandparents and with, um, with, with parents. It's, it's really deep and really considered. And I think, yeah, to write it off as like a Miyazaki light, as it sometimes referred to is quite unfair there's a lot mm-hmm. going and really quickly series really coolie again it's just I, I think um uh someone on cartoon brew said it's probably the best art from the 2000s and i yeah i i, I don't have a problem with with that statement it's the best piece of art that came about <laughs> in the 2000s because um again it's something where if you if you watch it i think the first time you go oh this is so crazy wow this is oh christ this is really weird and it is but again it's when you watch it again you realize no thematically there's a lot going on it's about growing up and it's about kids behaving like adults and it's got a lot going on in it again um mm-hmm. So I think I quite like things like that, that sort of seem really wacky on the surface, maybe, but that have a lot of thought behind them. But yeah, that's, uh, you know, so this doesn't turn into a whole episode of me talking. <laughs> that's the end of my answer. I am re- I am trying my best to contain my squeal of joy. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god!
Yeah, get get it done, people. Oh my god, it's on TV sometimes as well. It's on like the HD movie channel. And I tune in thinking, this is going to be the time that it's not an upscale. Oh, it's an upscale. Yeah, the yeah. same thing with Tokyo Godfathers, actually. It's heartbreaking. I can't watch it on Blu-ray. Oh, well. But Iron Giant, that's going to be... That's going to be great to see that properly. Oh, okay. my God. Just gushing. <laughs> yeah... <laughs> Yeah. No. No. I think I think knowing Brad Bird, you know, it's not going to be a full-on sequence. It might be like a moment, perhaps. Or... Yeah, a moment between a couple of characters. Yeah. A nice little, a little, a little aside for maybe possible. Character, yeah. uh, more character development, but other than you know, other than that, I I, I wouldn't expect like a morning report like sequence from him. <laughs> because I'm sure he's also very aware that it will probably stick out like a sore thumb against you know the um the older animation, the older animated scenes. Yeah. You probably won't even notice it unless unless you know the film like frame by frame. I hope. It won't be. No, not I hope you don't know it frame by frame. I'm saying, I hope you, um, you know, it's something that's not very noticeable. Yeah. Yeah. Like, you can't make what's already perfect even more perfect. <laughs> I just want to see it on the big screen because I, I missed that boat. Like I, when I first saw the Iron Iron Giant, I was already it was uh, already on VHS, so I just I, I I missed the opportunity to see it on a the biggest screen possible, and I'm very excited that I'll be able to have the opportunity. <laughs> totally. Mm-hmm. Yep. I think so. I, I'd have to double check my double check the numbers. But <sighs> I. Yeah, and I can't necessarily blame them considering how, you know, how entertaining they were in the, uh, in the, um, Despicable Me, the previous Despicable Me movies, but I still have feelings about the fact that it, it's making more money than Inside Out, and which I believe deserves more money. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. 
Well, yeah, no. I mean, you you know that you know <laughs> minions isn't going to be, you know, a, you know, a, a meditation on the nature of growing up, and you know, it's not. It's fair to say, I think. Yeah. I think I think by and large I don't have a problem with the minions. They don't intrude on my life. <laughs> they're not right. they're not a problem. Um not at all. They're maybe a little bit, you know, maybe people res- you know, maybe there's a little bit of resentment because because they're not a proper film. Like which is kind of what you're implying, right? That they they're marketing, they're mascots. It's not like um it's like the Angry Birds movie. Like no one's <laughs> I forgot. Like, I, I literally I really forgot that that was a thing. Yeah. <laughs> it's exactly. you know it's it's not about film, it's about merchandise. Really. Yeah. Yeah, but so so did the aliens in, in Toy Story and Pixar didn't cash in on them with like you know a spin-off tv series or anything (laughs) (laughs) don't tempt us yeah well yeah that's definitely coming now you said that yeah (laughs) yeah Yeah, until until it no longer provides them the money that they were earning before. <laughs> yeah, well. Hmm. I I I don't know. I I mean like I was saying a couple of weeks ago, I think it's it's difficult because, you know, you know, we're kind of what we're implying is we're saying Animation is always seen as this thing for kids. It's like a substitute babysitter. It's not. It's yeah. not cinema. Damn it! It's not cinema. And <laughs> really, it's it doesn't have to be. But we want to have diversity. You know, and I probably we'll probably talk about this when we get onto Song of the Sea a bit later. We want to have like true diversity, and for true diversity, you really have to have equality. And it seems like you know, particularly in the US, coming from you know these huge distributors, um, it's a little bit uneven. Yeah, and I can't tell I can't tell you how many times I've been talking about I, I start going into you know my interest in, in animation with you know people I know or like as part of a conversation topic or what I do and uh, and I if at least if depending on who it is like at least you know people who I know are definitely older than me they'll definitely get this look cut like basically that says wow you get you get a kick out of watching cartoons and, and right. you know yeah like uh, for totally. a living. And you want to get into want to get into that? I'm like, yeah. What's the problem? Yeah, I know totally. Oh, you like cartoons? <laughs> My kid likes those. <laughs> yeah, there's a little bit of that. <laughs> Yeah, that's that's basically where my feelings lie on that. With um, I mean, because don't get me wrong, the minions were fantastic. You know, side characters in their own films, like I like I already said. But when you have a film that basically is just a whole bunch of hijinks and really does like doesn't have that diversity that uh, Dan was mentioning, 
you know, it only appeals to one kind of audience. And that's, you know, that's that's great. At least it knows what it's doing and who's it, who it's appealing to. Mm-hmm. But um, instead of trying to do both and failing. But at the same time, it's just like, you know, that image of animation between certain uh, certain groups and uh, generations, it's going to remain the same unless we have films that, you know, try to push that envelope. Yeah. And the, the other thing to remember as well is like these are box office takings. These aren't. Mm-hmm. Um, impressions that people have of the film. This is mm-hmm. people who have paid to see it. It's not necessarily, you know, Mark Kermode has this thing where he says, you know, if you went to every single person who bought a ticket for the Transformers movies afterwards and you said, did you enjoy it? <laughs> you know, <laughs> you know it, it, it wouldn't be as many as the ticket sales would suggest. All yeah. that I've told you. <laughs> And same with kids and minions. <laughs> no, it's but fine. I mean, it's good. Yeah, it's good I mean, it's also about, <laughs> it's also about distribution too. I mean, you know, these are franchises, right? I mean, money's put in. It's just, yeah, like you were saying before, a huge advertising campaign. I mean, you know, I mean, I don't know. There's not, you know, you're not going to have the same kind of like push <laughs> or um, investment in pushing, you know, small independent movies necessarily <laughs> it's strange yeah. though i mean yeah. i think i think i'm giving it pause for thought because everyone was really cynical about the lego movie and that turned out to be a really really thoughtful yeah you know um story that you know even was a little bit self-critical at times about conforming and you know um caps you know it had it had lots of things to say so you you know as chris was saying you don't know until you've seen it, i guess yep <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's a good policy. <laughs> it might, ironically, you don't know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Or melding of multiple techniques. Yeah, I mean, look at the the stuff. First of all, like Tangled, look at Tangled, right? And and there was a lot of traditional animation influencing that. In fact, um, there were a lot of drawings done over the CG, which is, well, something that sort of happens now, right, to sort of push the models even further. Mm -hmm. I mean, although there is, you know, when we've discussed this before, but, uh, you know, it is, (laughs) there's always something that's a little bit heartbreaking to me when you... um, see special features or even presentations and things and you look at some of the character development drawings and Mm -hmm. my heart is always like oh 
it would be nice to see the whole movie like that <laughs> or you know just continue with the animatic it was so beautiful <laughs> but um but i think that happened stuff, that yeah. happened in 2d features as well like mm-hmm. if you look at if you look at the um yeah. Yeah. You know, Hans Barker wrote, um, he did a really great book about production design and animation. And he's, and he's, he, 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 um, he kind of documented this time in the early 90s where he, he and himself and a group of others were developing Beauty and the Beast for Disney. And they, they went on loads of um, research trips and everything. And they really tried to make it feel this very European, authentic. Um, they tried to give it this very, european authentic feel and he kind of you know he was obviously heartbroken because he said oh and then disney decided they had other ideas about what they wanted to do and they made a generic disney movie mm-hmm. so i think you know it's tempting to say grass is greener or things were better in the old days but really people were complaining about that type of homogenization that happens in mm-hmm. big animation production for ages really Mm-hmm. And I mean, right now it's exciting because all the new technology, I mean, first of all, we're able to stream video more than we ever have, you know, mobile devices and everything that sort of opens up new doors. And then you have projects like Glenn Keane's duet, right? Have you, have you guys seen that? I know we talked about it. Oh, it's um, beautiful. The spotlight stories thing, Motorola, I guess, sponsored it. I don't, um, they sponsored but I saw, it I, and they made sure yeah. that no one else except Motorola <laughs> customers can see the damn thing. Right. Right. Because they spent, <laughs> yeah. they, they spent so much money and effort like developing this new, um, right. like 3d tracking technology. Yeah. It's like a parallaxing thing. Yeah. It looks and all beautiful. The, it's amazing. Yeah. I saw the, the demonstration that he did here at the museum of moving image in Queens and, um, yeah, same. I, I saw mean, one in London. I saw so I saw Ben across the room holding a phone. <laughs> right? Yeah, I know he did the same thing. Well, yeah, I guess they didn't get that together. But it was it was beautiful. <laughs> Wasn't it inspiring? It was so inspiring. I mean, you just yeah. uh, the whole lecture was fantastic. Yeah, he, he talk about someone who can um, who can who's an amazing drafts person. I mean, uh, you walked away from that really feeling uh, energized. Oh yeah, I love. Um, I mean, this is really going a little bit more of a tangent. I was so surprised <laughs> and and, and um, delighted. <laughs> no. <laughs> he mentioned Picasso and how. Oh, that's right. He mentioned how Picasso's like um, philosophy was. He wanted to learn how to draw like a child again. Mm-hmm. Uh, I came away from that talk just going. Just showing everyone that video of Picasso drawing on glass, painting yeah. on glass. Just going, that's drawing. Um, but but go, going back to the, the whole thing of like traditional animation is much better, CG is mm-hmm. his pants. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think at the of- moment, because animation production in 2D has gotten, and I think, uh, you know, Song of the Sea has something to do with this. Um, 2D animation production has got a bit cheaper and it's easier to create a 2D feature than it is to create a CG feature, a good looking one. It's possible to do CG cheaply, but it doesn't look, it can't compete with, I think you were saying last, last, last week, Yvonne, that, um, you know, Blue Sky have like up to 600, 800 people working on their features. Right. So I think there's a little bit of, 
correlation, not necessarily causation, happening with the types of films that are made that are CG and the types of films that are made that happen to be traditionally um, hand-drawn. Mm-hmm. And it, it's fair to say that, you know, I don't, at least my personal belief, I don't think either, you know, as you know, I definitely have preferences of which kind of films that, you know, I would I prefer to watch, but I wouldn't really, you know, say one animation type is better than the other necessarily because I've been really impressed on a lot of different uh, movies and such and even television shows that ha- do a really good job of both melding like diff- both of those diff- both of those types of animation. Oh, like yeah. um, one of my favorite um, Disney Disney shorts that came out in recent years, I think it came out with um, Wreck-It Ralph when it uh, first uh, was released in theaters, uh, Paper Man. Oh God! Yeah, that was great. Yeah, I mean, look if you take a look at that short film yeah, cool. and and just tell me that the uh, you know three dimensional or uh, CG animation and you know with two uh, D inspiration, you know that those two styles cannot meld together to create something oh, yeah. really special. No, it's I mean we're it's actually a very exciting time. I think I mean and same with that Glenn King. Uh, project i mean it just shows you what you you can do you can really push it i mean and the programs that we have now um you know to draw to Mm. do hand drawn animation you know digitally straight into the computer i mean it's just it saves time and it's yeah i mean really it's there's a whole world of possibilities you can do things with animation with digital 2d production that you couldn't do with um that's right traditional filming techniques because yeah. you know people people look at like Miyazaki films and they go oh it's so beautiful everything's hand drawn and ugh computers but really all of the comp- all of the compositing <laughs> happens yeah. with computers they can do shots now with you know uh nearly 50 layers of animation right. that they yeah. couldn't have done with cells because it would have just been a cloudy mess Right. You know, I mean, in, yeah, that's true. And even the, um, I mean, the methods used in Pinocchio, for goodness sake, like, I mean, that they were, that was hand, those, the blush and everything was like, it's were hand drawn exactly. straight on the cells. Like you, now you could do all of that with a click, you know, with a couple mm. clicks. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, it's, I don't know. It's something else. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. Oh, the limited stuff. Nah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you well, can al- was, yeah. you can also you can have the prettiest hand drawn animation in the world, but it could be a boring, boring mm-hmm. film. Right. You know, look at um, one such film. <laughs> I'm looking at the name one. <laughs> <laughs> um. Oh, actually, okay, being really harsh, I think you could say that of Thief and the Cobbler. Oh, oh wait, the Thief and the Cobbler? I, mm-hmm. I was, yeah, going to mention Ooh. that too. I just watched that recently, the, um, you know, the DVD that was uh, re- re-released. Yeah. yeah, yeah. God, that was some, talk about amazing special effects. It's beautiful, but it's, it's you know, it's I like know. watching, everything is like a visual effects shot. I know. And yeah. then you're like, oh, hang on. It's heartbreaking kind of, a little bit. You kind of forgot that's a film. yeah that was part of the problem but then there is also character development like sort of a kind of in a back just because of the animation uh it breaks my heart yeah (laughs) 
<laughs> yep. <laughs> the news came out a couple of weeks ago. Um, but nothing about the project was known. And the project he's making is something called Borrow the Caterpillar. That's Borrow B O R O. Yeah, <laughs> caterpillar. Yeah, uh, yeah, just for a bit to go, make sure you give it back. Yeah. Um. So, um, the project he has had actually for a long, long time. So back in like '95, when he was developing Princess Mononoke, he was also developing Borrow the Caterpillar. It was going to be um, his feature film that he was going to make instead of Princess Mononoke at the time, and mm-hmm. it has the most Miyazaki story in the world. It's it's a feature film about a caterpillar that is on one tree and he wants to crawl across the branches to get to the other tree across the road. And that would have been the story. <laughs> so, um, you know, whimsical is not the word, I think. Uh, but, uh, but interestingly, what happened was, so Miyazaki was getting a few grey hairs at the time and the, his producer, to, uh, Toshio Suzuki, said, yeah, I think you're getting on a bit. Um, you're getting to an age where maybe you might not be able to make an action movie in a few years. So I'd rather you make Princess Mononoke. So that is why Princess Mononoke happened at the time and Boro was left you know, to um, sit on the same tree for a few years. Uh, so I don't know I'm interested uh, to what technique he's going to be using because um, Japan is very very much stuck in its ways uh, culturally in a few in a few areas but not least animation in that um, when there are CG features in Japan they're sort of cell shaded and they're desperate mm-hmm. to replicate oh. hand drawn animation and it seems like a little bit of a curse that they're unable to escape from. Um, Goro Miyazaki, his son, made a, um, a TV series um, called Ronya the Robber's Daughter. And it used this technique, which was basically cel-shaded. Um, it looked like um, the video game Nino Kuni. Ah, uh, yes, Nino Kuni. So, you know, like the, it was really nice painted... It had painted backgrounds, um, which were kind of a bit hodgepodge as it was. And then it had these cell shaded characters. And the problem is they were really quite cheap, cheap models and they moved really stiffly. They didn't have the life that drawings have in them, um, unfortunately. And uh, so I'm a little bit nervous as to whether it's going to be that type of CG or whether it's going to be the sort of CG that we are familiar with a bit more. But the interesting thing is that um, it should take about three years to make, apparently. So I imagine it's probably not going to be cheap looking at all. Right. 
Yeah, it's not clear. I mean, maybe I think what might have happened is they've started production, perhaps. <laughs> I think, yeah, I think he just, you know, he's just a workaholic and it sounds like he just needs a project. Yeah. <laughs> and I've great. seen him. <laughs> and I just wanted to mention, like I have, because, um, you know, what you were mentioning before, uh, saying before, Dan, about, uh, you know, Japanese, you know, Japanese animation, so very, like, you know, not really treading too much into the 3D territory, if it, you know, and if, if it is, it's normally, like, cel-shaded uh, animation. I have seen a couple instances where that's, um, it's, it's either cel-shaded or, um, I don't know what, if they're, what the term for it is, but it, I don't think it's motion capture per se, but they try to go for, like, more like a realistic kind of look. Rotoscoping? I, I get, I guess. Oh, I, I think kind of, so they, they film... Yeah, rotoscoping. So they film reference footage and then they effectively trace mm-hmm. over the movement. Is that right, Rachel? I'm not sure if I guess I, I need to do my research more and like what well, what these mean. But um, usually yeah. you can tell because there's no weight. <laughs> yeah, I have seen there. There have been a few Japanese series which have done that. Um, yeah, I mean the, the the films that I'm thinking of are actually they're they're not really big. They're more like fan service uh, fan service films more than anything. Um, as uh. Final Fantasy VII Advent Children was one. Oh, oh. And then um, I right. recently saw one of the, th- uh, I actually recently saw, since I was getting back into the, the video game series, uh, Tekken was uh, a uh, film adaptation of that one of those games uh, called uh, Tekken Blood Vengeance. And... Uh, oh, you did? <laughs> But that was yeah. It, it most certainly was a thing. But I was just like when that in terms of animation style, that's that's what I was thinking of. I don't know what you call that per <clears> se. But I call that quite realistic. Advent Children was pretty mm-hmm. amazing, wasn't it? And yeah. in terms of animation, definitely story. I would argue it wasn't the best, but uh, <laughs> um, yeah. yeah you, well, yeah. <laughs> a lot. I, in my opinion, a lot of things are better than the, the Spirits Within. Final Fantasy Spirits Within. <laughs> but um, yeah. And in terms of just the way it looked, at least the way they got the characters to look, that's I remember you know sticking out uh, a lot more when I watched uh, Advent Children, and even more so when I uh, when I watched uh, Blood Ven- Tekken Blood Vengeance because it was at least uh, Blood Vengeance had something that uh, uh, Advent Children needed sorely more of, which was colors. Like <laughs> it was Advent Children was way too gray of a film for me. <laughs> yeah well you know you get you get what you paid for <laughs> all right I'm ready place. Ugh, Granny. She's going to try and make us move to the city again. At last! We found her! Searsha! Run! Those stories that Mum told me, they're all true. 
Are you really a... Selkie? <laughs> What's happening to you? All of us are connected. And we'll all share in our fate. I have to find her. <laughs> it's it well it took them a while to make as well so <laughs> Kimbo. <laughs> Hold on to your butts. <laughs> I think it's a film which benefits from going in not knowing everything. Yeah. I, I wouldn't agree. say there's not, I wouldn't say it's like a plot to spoil. There aren't plot twists and, oh no, so and so. It was so and so who killed. It's not, you know. <laughs> <laughs> it's not that type of film, but there are surprise there are surprises. <laughs> it was all a dream. <laughs> That's the worst one. <laughs> That's better. <laughs> funny. That's really funny. <laughs> Probably one of the best looking 
<laughs> Hi, yeah, that's my fault that it's uh, four stars. Powers. <clears throat> Mm-hmm. I agree. Yeah, I agree. One hundred percent. Um. Yeah. I agree. Um. So yeah, like you, I've I kind of been aware that this has been happening for a long, long time. So when it came out, I was part way because okay, it's, you know, I think Secret of Kells was excellent. Um. I felt it slightly lacking on a story level, to be honest, and. I was so pleased that Song of the Sea just has an amazing story and it has a really, you know, a really good thematic through line. Yeah, it's it's beautiful. And one of the things that it managed to do, which I think is very important, is that it is so proud of being Irish and, <laughs> and it's not going to hide that at all. It's not going to, it, you know, because it was independently financed and produced, it doesn't have like this the normal sort of kowtowing, which you might be used to with you know um, uh, with overseas animation, so to speak, non non American animation. It's not trying to be American. It's it's really proud of being Irish, and I think that's really special. <laughs> no way. <laughs> yeah, so, I'm, so trying to remember, I'm trying to actually remember that one bit and I'm, I'm blanking kind of. So, I think I was just it's so much in awe of the rest of the film. I'm just that one little edit did not catch me off guard at all. Yeah, so that's what I, I, I thought of the film. It was, um, I was actually caught off guard the first time I saw it because I expected it to be one thing and it was really quite unique. And it took me a while. It took me actually a couple of rewatches. So to me watching it three times to really understand the tone because it's quite surprising. I think it's really tempting to, to draw comparisons between it and Ghibli because that's all we've really been used to is like a um, an alternative to American animation for a long time in you know in terms of features features for children um, and yeah I think it's something a bit quite more unique so yeah we can get into that a bit later but mm. that's what I think of it. Yeah. Yeah, it became distracting. Oh, I don't know. But yeah, that wasn't wasn't so distracting for me. But, I mean, gorgeous. <laughs> <laughs> I, I just mean that's the 
I feel really bad, at least with, with in regards to this film, because I was really late on the bus. Because I only first heard about it, I remember I was uh, watching the, um, you know, the Academy Awards, and, you know, when they, they got to, um, you know, animated films, I believe they made, they made a mention to Song of the Sea. And then, you know, and as usual, when I hear about stuff that I don't know about on the Academy Awards, I try to look into it, but I still didn't really get that much information. And it wasn't until, you know, I started actually writing, you know, writing for this site that I really started to find out more about it and Cartoon Saloon. So then I just, you know, figured oh, once once uh, Song of the Scene came out on Netflix, like, oh, I might as well, you know, watch the trailers. And then once it came on Netflix, watch it, and, you know, rent the DVD and then just watch it from there. And I was just blown away. It was just much like you all were. I was, you know, just enraptured with uh, not just the animation, but very much the story as well between um, the main character, uh, Ben, and his little sister. Because I really love it when uh, a film, regardless whether it's animated or live action, when they really capture a really good family dynamic, or at least, you know, Mm -hmm. at least something that feels real, like Mm -hmm. a real relationship between a brother and a sister. And that's, that's what really struck me like the, the biggest thing about the movie is how they handled that relationship and their relationship with their father and their grandmother. And, you know, then also tying in all the uh, mythological elements, you know, the Irish mythological elements in it to it too. And it was just, it was just perfect. It was a perfect balance of all these different elements that just made a wonderful, wonderful movie that I, I have to agree with Chris. I'm adding this to one of my favorite films that I've ever seen. Definitely. Uh, yeah, I I, uh, I loved it too. I mean, I I've been a big fan of Cartoon Saloon since um, since Old Fangs. I know I mentioned that a few t- times, but um, I loved that short so much. And then um, Secret of Kells, I was gorgeous. But I mean, this film really. Uh, I mean, I got choked up a couple times for sure <laughs> watching it. Just oh yeah, it was so beautiful. And um, I mean, I sort of have to reiterate. Uh, what you just said about the interactions with the characters and it, we talked we mentioned this a little bit earlier but um, uh, before the podcast but the the acting choices the sort of natural acting choices were just wonderful just really really beautiful and um, and those moments that sort of sibling interaction um, was really captured <laughs> it was very really captured yeah I mean yeah that little uh, Ben is is just He's flesh and blood, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> in 2D animation. Yeah, it was it was beautiful. I loved it. And that's the thing, I mean, that's what, I mean, I love that, you know? I mean, that's what I love about small independent films, too, because it's kind of something we touched on before, but, I mean, it's real, <laughs> you know? 
I mean, it's expressing something emotional. Like, I, I don't know, like when you talk about like some of like Hollywood, more Hollywood choices, or I don't know what it is or where that necessarily comes from, if it's just kind of boiled down through, uh, you know, board meetings and <laughs> like, I don't know who would come up with that, but I, you know, I, I don't know. I mean, I definitely, personally, I, I didn't really see any of that. Oh, I mean, I wouldn't, I guess, but I wouldn't see a lot of the choices as, um, as Irish, just kind of, um, natural. I mean, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like that's the was... strength. I think that's the strength when things are very, you know, it's said of lots of things in, in art and culture where the more specific you get the more universal you get exactly and so long as you're honest i think anything you know you can relate you can relate to anything even if it's not exactly the way you live or your family exactly. is not exactly set up the way it is you know you you um you find connections and Right. Mm -hmm. That's that's why the it dubbing like stuff that. and the changing, you know, terms and everything just drives me batty. Like it, it really just drives me insane because I'm just like, you know, if I don't understand a reference, I'll I'll be like, well, that was a beautiful moment. Let me go see what that means. Yeah, let, let's, or, let's Google that. <laughs> I know. It's what it's there for. <laughs> and, yeah, and, and also taking like, over the world slowly. You know, but, you know, kids <laughs> love that stuff. I certainly did. I think yeah. that's why fantasy appeals to you as a kid because you hear things you might not understand. Like watching right. or, or rather reading... Okay, so watching um, Jim Henson movies like Labyrinth, <laughs> they're weird, oh. but you don't want them explained to you. You want to discover exactly. things. And, yeah. and having that kind of patience for the audience is why I think um, filmmakers like Tom Moore are really important because... Mm -hmm. You know, it's really nice to be treated that way as an audience member. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Agreed. There, yeah. there needs to be more films like that and more uh, mm -hmm. directors like that. Yeah, respect your audience. Like, you don't dumb it down or... Yeah. Right. Oh, no, yeah. That's and right. I think that's also a reason why, at least in, in some films, not all, I'm not going to, you know, at least a couple that I've seen that... Uh, really prominent that it's, it's that's why they get you know kid characters specifically in you know not just animated you know in films just sometimes don't resonate like either they're annoying or they just don't come across of like they just feel like you know someone trying to guess like oh this is what a kid would say this is what mm -hmm. uh if a kid at this time period would act like or behave or and mm -hmm. no it's it's not <laughs> i i think what i i think actually you know it's very hard not to compare Song of the Sea, Secret of Curls, because it's pretty much the only other thing through which we can really understand Tom Moore as a, as a director. But I think mm -hmm. um, I like Song of the Sea because it's so um, it's clearly personal. There are so many touches which you understand could not have been fabricated from nothing, and particularly in the way the relationships um, in the family are set up. There's yeah. I th I think the reason it works is because it's 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 honest mm -hmm. and and certainly he's taken it's a lot of things yeah, yeah i mean it makes ben so complicated you just like your heart just goes goes out to the the everything to mm. him you know it takes i think it also and, you know, and his it, sister it should, too it, yeah oh yeah and the it father. shouldn't be um forgotten as well that it's it's a really independent film 
Mm-hmm. It, yeah. it was made, you know, um, it was a co-production with with some, I think, is it, Chris, you might have the better knowledge on this, some six European countries. Right. Uh, yeah. Belgium, yeah. So, so exactly, so, <laughs> so easily, you know, it could have the edges trimmed off. Mm-hmm. Ben could be a lot more likable at the start, but he's not because right. that isn't true to his character. Right. And the fact mm-hmm. that they did not compromise on such things, I think, really has to be commended. Oh. Oh boy. <laughs> yeah, I love that so much. Yeah. Yeah. I know. I know. I think I paused it or something because I was like, "Does that say? Wow, check that out." <laughs> I forgot about that. Yeah. Yeah. So funny. And there's and there's also a point. Um. Uh. It's a really funny, really quiet moment where. Oh, where, I know where Ben sighs and he goes, "Yes, Jesus, Mary, Jesus, Mary Joseph. Joseph, right?" <laughs> <laughs> totally. I know. I keep thinking about that. I've been thinking about that since we started talking about this. So, that sigh. But I, but I love moments like that because, again, like he's heard his dad say that, or he's heard mm-hmm. he's heard yeah. an adult say that. It and feels that's... real because when when kids hear their parents curse, they imitate them. Oh yeah, yeah. It was so beautiful. I I love the are we these aren't spoilers are they? <laughs> no, no. Oh, <laughs> okay, I, good. I don't think so either. They're just beautiful really, moments. No, we haven't got there yet. What about the what about the um the little leash thing when he's like I'm okay, fine. When you when are you if you don't pay me, I'm gonna do this. And he he hits the little button and it sort of pulls. <laughs> it, like he shows just enough. Um, like he cares, but he's a little annoyed with her, and you know what I mean. They're all it's typical, very typical brother. Exactly, it's a very complicated really, little moment, and it's sort really, of she pulled in towards him. I loved that. It was so I was beautiful. So I mean, impressed by how um, honest the relationship was between. Yeah, because um, you know, uh, movies do shave the edges off those things. I know, and living with a sibling is not always. You know, um, it's complicated. Exactly, it's really complicated. And there's a lot of resentment and lots of really, mm-hmm. you know, complicated emotions going on. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> right. 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 Mm. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> mm-hmm. I love that the use of that whole cord leash thing, though, as almost like a I don't know. It was almost, it was like a thread through the story in a way, you know what I mean? Like the way he would be a little bit, yeah. using it to pull things along and then be pulled. Yeah. <laughs> and it just kind of cracked me up. It was, um, 
yeah, the whole movie was really beautiful, but it had some terrific, lovely moments. Yeah, yeah. 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 I think I think that's because teenagers. I think we're going to start to see that a little bit more when the kids who were watching those things in the eighties now growing up and making movies. I think we're going to see a little bit more, maybe of. A resurgence or homages to that sort of thing. I'd be up for that. I'd watch yeah. all of that. I mean, yeah. But, but also, I think um, just about relationships. I think ET has a strong, ele- you know, elements of that where th- there are siblings and they clearly love each other and they get on. But mm-hmm. they don't behave like, "Oh, would you pass the salt?" Oh, yes, please, thank you, brother. It's not like that anymore. That's not real. <laughs> Modern families, you know, right. and I, I really appreciate animation reflecting that. As, because I think you know things like that kind of really try and bring animation to do things which live action film does all the time and you don't blink at. Um, so yeah, that, that, that's 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 special. I think. Mm-hmm. Are we all itching to talk? <laughs> yeah, I'm. So, I'm, 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 I'm trying, I had I had a thought and then I just kind of like wait. Do I just want to wait for there something else one, to go? There is one more thing, um, non-spoilery, that I want to talk about, uh, and that. That, that is kind of to do with what we were talking about with relationships and things. And that is, even though the film is so beautiful and it has such a, it looks like a picture book come to life. Mm-hmm. Definitely. It feels, it, it feels like the real world. It doesn't feel mm-hmm. like, um, it doesn't feel idealized. The home mm-hmm. they live in is not perfect. It has, you know, quite musty little looking corners and you know the the decoration doesn't look like an ikea catalogue it's it's hodgepodge and it's it's observation like that i think but i also yeah and i think it, that also has emotion. yeah sorry <laughs> that no, sorry, also has to do with um the acting choices too you know i mean it just grounds the whole thing in a way and, and gives it a sense of reality because mm-hmm. you know i mean it has it's got those freaking, ugh, this beautiful, <laughs> like beautiful, beautiful um, backgrounds and, and the concept art and everything um, that was done for it. By, oh, we should plug his, Ross Stewart, right, I guess, worked on. Is he is the, the background guy. designer? Yeah, he, he worked on, um, I just, I looked him up. He did background art for Old Fangs. Um, uh, was art director for Secret of Kells and in the art department for Song of the Sea. Wow, a bit good then. So, that's quite a contribution. <laughs> but um, 
I, yeah, I mean, beautiful, beautiful work. Um, and I, I don't really know um, all of the people involved, obviously, but uh, yeah, that kind of combination of like sort of flat, um, what is that called? It's not forced perspective, but that kind of flattened out, those flattened out areas and then areas that sort of look like they're CG almost combined with um, 2D animation. Mm-hmm. I mean, and then the hand-drawn stuff. I don't know if that was um, a technique that they used or not, but, you know, like certain situations with the car driving around looked um, yeah. like it was a combination of different styles. And, um, yeah, just so beautiful, so beautiful. But, I, I, I mean, but again, like set in reality, like you were just saying, and, and I really, but I really think the thing that ties it together are these little tiny natural acting choices that are... Um, run throughout the entire thing because it that really does ground you I mean just like subtle little things subtle little movements and size and and expressions that are just um it's taken from reality and I <laughs> and think that's honest. why um I think that's why uh a, a lot of people are comparing it to Studio Ghibli films because at least it's you know in terms of uh films like Spirited Away at least a lot of uh, Miyazaki films that's one of the things that they you know they specialize in mm-hmm. is having you know touches of reality or like balancing out like those moments of reality with the supernatural. And that's what, um, Mm -hmm. and that's definitely what song of the sea does as well. And, you know, does it just as, just as good. Right. Right. It it is. It's also, I mean, the mundanity is what makes things Mm -hmm. feel fantastical in, 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 uh, in comparison, in contrast. So if you have this world right. which people are very much grounded and they aren't um, gesticulating all over the place, um, <laughs> you know, once you then go into the, the fantasy realm, it's all the more fantastical. And lots of filmmakers do that. You know, Brad Bird said he did it with The Incredibles. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. the, the home life has to be very mundane. <laughs> so you have the contrast. And... Um, <laughs> Guillermo del Toro mm-hmm. uh, equally, you know, understands yeah. understands that. Oh yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. Oh yeah. 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 Oh yeah nowadays where you could easily not talk about that stuff so cool it's it's something that's being offered in a kids film as well which is important shall we take this opportunity to say that if you don't want to have anything to much spoil
<laughs> for the Spoiler. for the rest of you who are sticking around, be, you have been warned. Yeah, no, seriously. Spoiler averse. <laughs> it's a good way to put it. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh huh. Oh, even better. It's like oh, oh God, spoilers. <laughs> Very much so. <laughs> right. Yeah, I did that too. I, when just I as the baby, yeah. just as this baby's being born. I know. I was like, "Oh, great!" <laughs> That's what I said out loud. Well, the, the important thing with that having such like a gut wrenching opening, it really it still gives you a really good idea of like what why um when you, you skip a couple years later when you see you know Ben grown up a little bit more and how he's got his he's a bit he's a big brother to his little sister where you know and how he behaves towards her where all of his resentment is coming possible resentment is coming from. Yeah, that scene with when he's like, "Don't go near the water, Koo," and then. The girl's like wading into like almost her waist, <laughs> and, like, and he's like, "Oh, yeah, exactly." <laughs> he's just had it <laughs> with her, and you're like, "Oh, you're gonna just let her drown, you little jerk!" <laughs> like, I mean, like, I, yeah, I like, um, yeah, I like emotional response to all that, but you still like, like, I still liked him, you know? But yeah, I was just like, boy, what a little jerk! And then the father's reaction. I mean, you know, picking up. Uh, Picking up his sister and going, oh, you're playing cops and robbers. I mean, oh, it was just. Yeah, it really gives you a sense amazing. of what the family dynamics become with them. That yeah. was absolutely heartbreaking for me. Oh. Seeing seeing the father, oh not necessarily God. actively resent. You know, it wasn't a comical right. like, get away, you run. It was he just ignored them, mm-hmm. and that mm-hmm. was that was enough to just go, oh, this is. Oh. Like, this is dangerous. This is a really complicated family. (laughs) Yeah, it just gives me chills just thinking about it. Yeah, that was something. Great moment. Yeah. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, it's humanity. (laughs) 
And I, rem- I I swear to God, like when I was watching like those first couple interactions between um, Ben and Saoirse, it was, I don't know. I mean, obviously, I don't think I, with my own family, or at least my brother, I don't have that kind of, I, I don't believe I ever had that kind of relationship, with, at least not that intense in terms of the resentment. But, uh, you know, it, with brother, you know, brothers and sisters, you know, they, we, they tease, they make jokes, they try to scare each other, you know. <laughs> If they do something stupid, you're just like, well, come on. <laughs> but it just, I mean, you, you could, you could still get that there was, you know, a lot, you know, a lot deeper to that issue. But I don't think, I don't think Ben ever really, really wished his sister ill. I mean, you, no. you could still got the, fe- that some kind of sense that he still cared about her a little bit, but he's just had all those other issues to deal with first that he had to come to terms with oh, yeah, before he could really care about sure, her. Sure, it's a kid. I mean, kids yeah. understand when they're hurting someone and they understand I think kids understand how much they can get away with being selfish. But they try and push it. Right. Well, that's when you learn, right? Yeah. I mean, you know, it's like, like, you know, if, if, if two year olds were really powerful, we would all, we'd never make it as a species. <laughs> because they would kill everyone. <laughs> so, so, like, right? So, <laughs> they're small and weak. <laughs> <laughs> they're small and weak but, but you know so they can't do any damage but you know it's like kids do that they push i mean siblings you know will try and practically almost murder one another and before you know a line is crossed there's always a line but you know well that's what you know, the parents are go... for they're like this is a line we don't cross it <laughs> yeah but i mean yeah siblings i mean that's kind of what it's about so it's like a testing ground touching a bit more on that family dynamic we were mentioning about the father and you know when you have a I have a parental figure like that who obviously is very detached because of his loss and you, you know, you have the brother and sister doing, you know, what brother and sisters do, you know, testing each other's limits and how far they're willing to push each other, you know, it kind of really gives you more of an idea of how just kind of a dangerous situation this kind of is. And then when the grandmother comes in and saying, you know, I need the kids to come with come with me and live with me for a while, you know, you kind of also you kind of have to sympathize with her, too. At least, at least I personally could as, you know, being a lot older and wiser, I don't know how I would have perceived the whole situation if I was, you know, watching it through like 10 year old eyes or, or not. It seems like, oh no, they're leaving with the grandmother when they should be staying with the dog. But, (laughs) (laughs) but I know, I, at least I appreciate that a whole lot more. At least they made that, uh, you know, that character a lot more sympathetic than just, you know, like the evil, evil grandmother. There's a great shot just as they're all packed in the car, ready to leave. Ben has pushed um, Connor's patience, his father's patience. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And there's this great shot where the grandmother looks back and she sighs. Mm-hmm. And you, just in that look, you go, okay, she's in on this yeah. really complicated, right. you know, mm-hmm. um, expression of, of, of love that everyone is just struggling to express. Really, right. like... How they how they love one another, but there's something else that they're missing. Yeah, which, they're, they're which is all a great, feeling a loss. Which is a great setup. It's story. so good. And then at the grandmother's house, like it's then it turns into this sort of comic. Oh well, that actually the map scene is amazing, right? The whole sort of uh, mm-hmm. well, I always think of Indiana Jones, but <laughs> the like hand drawn map <laughs> in the car. Yeah, the car scene. I mean, this is so so terrific. It's like. I yeah. was reminded. I was reminded a little bit of um, there is a book by Helen Oxenbury and Michael Rosen, 
that is drummed into British kids called We're Going on a Bear Hunt. <laughs> and basically the whole story, it's, it's a picture book and it's a journey through, you know, through the woods, under a stream, over a bridge, through a tunnel to go and find a bear. And then they <laughs> find the bear and then you run back through every, you know, you have to go over the bridge now and then through the woods and, you know, it's, it's the story one way and then in reverse. And I was kind of reminded of that and hmm. how you're kind of made to think, okay, yeah, this landmark here, this landmark there. And <laughs> you subconsciously <laughs> notice it so that when you return there later, it's, yeah. um, it feels strangely familiar. Yeah. Oh, that's really neat. Yeah, it, yeah, to, and to show his the his uh, perspective of what he's noticing, his landmarks, his own child landmarks um, mm-hmm. that he's taking note of in order to find. Oh his yeah, way back. He think, I think he I think he makes a landmark of the fox. Yeah, <laughs> it's exactly. like oh, the, the fox is always going to be there. Yeah. Right, exactly. <laughs> it's so good, and then the sort of comedic moment at the grandmother's house, which is, I mean, talk about universal, <laughs> where you know she's just just loving it because they're like she's got visitors and <laughs> yeah, she's got oh. her she's favorite. Singing, she's singing to the radio. On. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Trying to get her, trying to get her grandkids like, oh, this is amazing. You should listen to this, and Ben just puts his Walkman on. <laughs> Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and also I love grandma's house because it's um so the whole trip to Dublin is pretty much where I think the film really begins being what I was talking about where you have like these this unidealized oh. yet cartoony depiction of mm-hmm. the world you know you you, you have the roundabout mm-hmm. it's gray and brown and there's like yeah. smog everywhere and there are discarded like um uh like bottles everywhere and mm-hmm. It's uh, it's very unidealized, but in Grandma's house there are so many brilliant details about who she is, um, and you know she's quite stuck in her ways. But <laughs> there's a there, you know there's um, the portrait of Christ, which yeah. is there if you want to notice it. Right. Yeah, and that's a very you know Irish thing, kind of you know displaying you know um, your religion everywhere. I think and. Yeah, I, I think that's when the film, for me, I, I sat up in my seat at the cinema <laughs> and went, oh, oh, wow, this is going to be, you know, stories and mythology is yeah. really, really deeply woven into the DNA of the film. Yes. And it, it begins with is. things like that. Same. So much. <laughs> <laughs> Another thing I wanted to talk about before we get too much deeper into the plot, uh, because it was very much prominent in those like the first couple minutes of the film and, you know, going onward is since uh, I mentioned before, Saoirse can't talk, you know, because of the um, for I don't know. I remember exactly what the reason was they give for her eventually the fact that she couldn't speak up until a certain point. But uh, was the fact that even despite the fact that she had for the longest time had no dialogue they were still able to get a really likable character out of her without, you know, regardless. And, you know, you still got the fe- yeah, got the sense that she's this very sweet, if a bit a little stubborn, uh, little girl. 
Well, I think I think that's partly to do with how Ben treats her. Right. You, yeah. If if She's, you yeah. if you have someone treating that way in the film, you automatically um, sympathize with them and empathize with them a bit. Mm-hmm. Um, but, it's, but yeah, but she, she is yeah. she is also certainly you know the the fact that she is curious, the fact that she is the one who goes following the uh, the little uh, fairies. I mm-hmm. don't know what you call it. You know, to to go and discover the. Um, the coat in the lighthouse. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think that gives her some agents. Yeah. Yeah. And she's also very independent. I mean, she does just kind of take his stuff. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, she's, well, um, <laughs> as a younger sister, I can highly sympathize with that. It's like, that's, that's very true to life. Yeah. And the whole breathing thing. Oh my God. I almost fell out. Like, when she's breathing behind him, that breathing that they added, and his yeah, line is that yeah. for someone who can't talk yet, you sure are, you know, loud. <laughs> oh my goodness! Like, yeah. <laughs> that was another thing that stood out to me because I think that um, the whole uh, the whole image of him trying to do something and her looking over his shoulder, like I can only I I can't count how many times I did that with my brother. <laughs> Right. Yeah, and just being there gets on his nerves. Like he can't even take it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> even right down to the whole leash idea, putting the leash on her. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think we we never had the opportunity because we my family never owned a dog. But if we did, and if there was a leash on, I'm pretty sure my brother would have put that on me. <laughs> oh, you certainly control your younger siblings. I used to love like lying to my brother that you know something terrible would happen to him if if he tried putting in a videotape. <laughs> something that I had to do. So therefore, we <laughs> we only watched conveniently what I wanted to watch until he, until he worked it out. Yeah, brothers are evil. Oh, I'm... <laughs> oh man. Um, but but yeah, I mean, I think that is a very much something that happens in the way the characters are animated. The performances are purposefully understated compared to, you know, as um, yeah. Tom Moore said in your interview with him, Chris. It's not like Frozen. They're not gesticulating. It's not vaudeville. It's a bit more observed. Yeah. And I think that's where, for me, animation gets really, really exciting when you're showing life as it is a bit more. Yeah. With with characters with big heads and big eyes and, <laughs> you know, really um, stylized colors. Uh, but if they behave the way that people behave, you don't think twice. Um, right. And that's, I think, why the film probably connects with people. Um and it's it's you know it's it's had a great reception. Yeah. This time there's been so much, you know, such an amazing year for animation. 
Quite rightly. I think, I mean, I can't help but think that does have something to do with the fact that it's set um, in the, you know, the present day, so to speak. Um, because Secret of Kells does look like fantasy, and I, I wonder if that has something to do with it. I'm not sure. No, it's 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 not. No. But um, yeah. it's it, it has had good coverage. I I've noticed like lots of big newspapers have reviewed it. So I think people, yeah, people will search it out, and um, you know, it will be on DVD here soon enough. I think. Hey, you know what? If I am as much as I love Lego Movie, and as uh, I was a bit sore that it didn't get a nomination as well, but at the same time, like you know what? If I had just choose between, you know, that getting nominated and Song of the Sea, I would say I would, you know, I'm happy Song of the Sea got the nomination over the Lego Movie because mm-hmm. as as you know, as nice as it would have been to have Lego Movie nominated, at the same time, it's it's got its it's got you know people already praising that movie out, you know like all over the place it's it's had its time in the sun and mm. probably will be you know continue to be appreciated by you know everyone who's seen it so yeah, wasn't, and, it, and, wasn't its box office takings enough for people you know yeah, like some of the sea apparently isn't gonna not let it have a f-ing oscar nomination the other thing totally. is the oscars are a joke they really that, are in, in uh, that if you if you know um i think variety had um a couple of articles where they showed Oh, right. Oh. Okay. Yeah, it was yeah. reported on Cartoon Brew. And, you know, the the voters right. weighed in on the animated features. And they were like, they talking of Song of the Sea and Princess Kaguya, um, they said, oh, some, you know, two bloody Japanese things. And where, yeah, yeah. <laughs> what where, they did where, not. Where was the Lego movie? Where was the Lego movie? It was clearly the better thing. And it's like, no, it was clearly the only thing you saw. And that's how it is with the Oscars. You know, there are so many films which which people miss. Yeah. And the Oscars is just a popularity contest. And a lot of the animated movies don't get watched. Nope. Right? Oh, oh. Unfortunately. There's, there, that's, you know, that's where, you know. That's heartbreaking. We were, As we were talking about the Minions, I was thinking of that type of person who would just go, <laughs> Oh, I stopped watching animation when I was six. Come on. Exactly. You know. They are. Right. That's true. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. 
ஃபைட்டாக precisely yeah precisely. exactly and and you know that will only help them getting funding for new movies really good <laughs> I certainly, I certainly hope. Oh, tremendous amount! I think mm-hmm. they've, they've. I mean, you know, um, the Oscar nominations are recognition, and they've probably amassed, you know, uh, many more fans just from the release of Song of the Sea overseas yeah. and and you know worldwide really um, than they had before Secret of Kells. So they they have an audience now waiting to see these films. I think. And I know at least as far as I'm concerned, like whenever the Oscars, uh, whenever, whenever I do watch the Oscars and I got to the uh, animation nomination, whether for just short films or for feature films, you know, I always use that. I'm sure myself and a couple other people who do like would use that as a springboard, like, ooh, this film looks interesting. I'll check that out. I'll look into it. And then that's where it'll find its all. That's where it finds its true audience. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, if if considering how successful Song of the Sea is, you know, if they were able to pull that off, just you know, doing working independently like they did, if anyone who has a brain goes up to them and say, "Here, I want to give you know help fund your future projects," if they're smart, then they'll say, "Just do what you do." <laughs> Just take the money, do what you do. We 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 expect good. We expect great things from you. <laughs> mm. I think I think yeah. I think distribution is just a big a big job. The G kids, I mean, did a lot for getting it getting it nominated. You have to you know exhibit it in. Mm-hmm. LA and New York, I think, for at least two weeks. Yeah. I think um, the rules for that are changing. I, I don't oh, know really? the specifics, though, but there was an article about that recently. Um, yeah, I need to look at that again. But it was mm. interesting. I don't know. I'll find that. I'll find that for the show notes. So, so I think <laughs> they've done. <laughs> I think they've uh, they've done a lot, you know, forgetting forgetting Cartoon Saloon and Tom Moore's films recognized. Yeah. <laughs> oh. That would be amazing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And that and, and is that such a bad thing, but I don't I don't think that's such a bad thing, but at the same time it's just like give the other films their due credit as well. Well, that that that's kind of why I think the Oscars is a popularity contest and as a marketing tool. Yeah. It, it's really yeah. powerful still. And that was why I thought 
with the Oscars this year, I thought Princess Kaguya was the best film of the bunch. But Song of the Sea yeah. didn't because they 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 could have a win would have been amazing for them. So mm-hmm. that is the only reason for which I'm slightly disappointed they didn't win. It's not like it's not the better film. It's it's not that. It's just as a as a badge for the studio. It means mm-hmm. a lot. Yeah. A lot more than Disney, because I mean, it's not not that I'm bashing Big Hero Six, because Big Hero Six is was also a very wonderful film, and I enjoyed it very much. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, it's just like which which deserves more awards. The, yeah, the, the, yeah, yeah how like is that to say? Oh, okay, Disney, great. It's like well, it's like Disney. Disney doesn't need any more uh, <laughs> praise. <laughs> they really, I mean. Look at it. it own, they own. They own Marvel. They own Star Wars. Freaking Star Wars. They do. They will own the world before long. And it's just like, if you're really going to just keep throwing recognition at them, it's like we all we always know that they already do. You know, good work. So let's like acknowledge. You know, people who might not have gotten that same acknowledgement yet, <laughs> who are just as good. <laughs> I'm not. Chris, Chris, you're selling out. <laughs> sell out and sell out. Good. <laughs> you know, uh, um, this is kind of a side thing, but it sort of leads back, but I did want to mention it. Um, one thing that really struck a chord with me in your interview with Tom Moore is his mention of Joseph Campbell. I mean, you can yes. definitely see yes. that, you know, yeah, because I mean, those books were a big influence on me, too. I was introduced to them really young, and, um, just, I mean, they blew my mind. <laughs> like, his interviews with um, Bill Moyers and The Power of Myth and stuff, um, you could definitely, yeah, that idea of intertwining um, mythology and then sort of personal mythology, you know, and, and how, you know, the two can, the way the movie is set up, they're, you know, running in tandem. <laughs> that's mm. pretty cool, right? I, I, I think that's really important because, you know, Campbell's understanding of mythology has been abused, mm-hmm. let's say. And really, like, 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 exactly like you're saying, Yvonne, it's about personal. It's about linking mythology to, you know, personal journeys and right. psychology. He was, um, he, you know, he, he wrote about Jung a lot. And, mm-hmm. and and Freud and it was all very psychological and yeah Tom Moore absolutely understands how to employ yeah. mythology in the way that Campbell was talking about right about uh, you know actually in the in the commentary for some of the sea he talks about how when Ben travels down to I've forgotten the name of the dude with the really oh, wacky yeah, the hair story guy yeah the, oh, story the, the guy. weird guy the, 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 yeah. with all the hair everywhere <laughs> no he's he, the beard dude. He has a, he has an Irish name, and I'm not going to embarrass myself by trying to <laughs> pronounce it or remember it. Um, but but when um, when Ben travels down there, Tom Moore is saying he's he's very aware of what's going on here. He's doing the Campbellian thing of traveling to his subconscious, right? Symbolically, right. and discovering things in his subconscious like old forgotten stories like old forgotten memories and being and pulled in by the dog the hero character loyal dog because he doesn't exactly. want to go he's like exactly. i can't do it i can't do it mm-hmm. he's pulled in with that leash 
Mm. I think it's sensibilities like that which make it feel quite classic Mm -hmm. in a way to lots of children's literature. There's, you know, there's the thing that Wizard of Oz does and Tom Moore is also saying Peter Pan, where you have echoes of people from the real world um, echoed into in the spirit world where right. you where you have um the granny and the owl witch yeah. and also he also mentioned in the commentary that they had to cut down the old fisherman he oh, yeah. was actually i i hadn't noticed that until until i listened to the commentary um but the old fisherman is a mirror of the guy with the really oh, long hair right right oh, that's oh a thing so i did not notice and when that you look, yeah wow, but you never see right. them in the same place so that's right. oh, okay. And he's, he's got, got the long mustache. Yeah, yeah, he does. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Man, I did not make that connection till just yeah. now. It's like and the old I, witch. It's, it's, it's <laughs> oh, all, and ah! it's all visual, and it's not mm-hmm. it's not in your face, right. and it's and it's it's um it's not too subtle <laughs> for kids not to notice. <laughs> yeah, they don't hold on it and zoom in or something. <laughs> <laughs> Winked audience flashback. Yeah. Bing. Yeah. Yeah. Um. But when I first saw the film, I was most taken with the um, imagery of Connor, mm. the father, and how the character design yeah. was really describing a personality, his emotion. He was this rock that he he felt he was taking. He was, you know, he was um, he was shouldering the family's burdens on this rock. And he's got his head sort of, you know, he hunches a bit mm-hmm. and he's, he looks forlorn. And then that's echoed in, um, in the rock offshore. Yeah, right. that, that, that's the right. giant. Yeah. The um, giant turned to stone by the owlwitch. Exactly. Right. And I was, I was really, really um, affected emotionally by, by how beautiful that, that imagery was. It was all there if you wanted it. to Right. And, exactly. and it was all communicated with shapes as well, which is very um, unique, I think. I think, you know, um, Pete Doctor understands shapes mm-hmm. and character designs Definitely. very strongly, but it, it was very, very um, affecting. And the, the most important thing was it was all there to serve the story. Mm-hmm. It wasn't just, oh, we're being smart, you know. Right. It, was, um, it was necessary. Yeah, it was to to bring to keep the story together and not, you know, go off in any one direction. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> you totally could. Yeah, yeah, like. <laughs> I, I, on Twitter, people are saying, "Is it going to be an art of book?" And I'm like, "You mean, the, yeah, it's called Song of the Sea. There's a movie. It's <laughs> the movie is the art of." Yeah, yeah. Uh, oh wow! I think that was released when they released it in France, actually. Hmm. Mm-hmm. 
It really is. It's very easy to just sit and gush. <laughs> sit and mm-hmm. gush about. Yeah. It's so beautiful. It's, it's beautiful. <laughs> and, oh, and that seems so beautiful. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah that was what i meant very when I said, similar you know, it's the art of the, yeah. of its own movie right. um <laughs> yeah i think i think a few um animators are really trying to push that at the moment i know mm-hmm. that's certainly what um robert kondo and dice tatsumi um did with their short the dam keeper which is also oscar nominated where it's oh okay it looks like his his concept sketches for um for toy story and robots and uh yeah i think so yeah Oh, wow. Ooh, you... that sounds cool. Very... Oh, wow. I think I think Dice Tsutsumi actually has a has a connection with with Ghibli in that I I think I heard this somewhere I'm pretty sure he is married to the woman who was the main inspiration for May from Totoro who I think might be Miyazaki's goddaughter or maybe niece wow. so that's why I think he was involved in that project <laughs> people grow up people grow up Chris <laughs> sorry <laughs> um, so actually I did want to speak a little bit about the whole um, comparisons the, the comparisons that have been drawn between Song of the Sea and Tom Moore and, and Ghibli that's a segue that's the segue. <laughs> Good job, Dan. <laughs> um, that was completely unintentional. <laughs> I'm glad you drew attention to it, Chris. <laughs> <laughs> so um, when I first saw Song of the Sea, I was, I was with a friend and we came away and he said, oh, it was very, very Miyazaki. There was, you know, the owl, which was like, Yubaba from Spirited Away mm-hmm. and when he was riding Ku and the um and the like the wind dogs it was like cat bus or any other flight of fancy in a Miyazaki film and you know uh parts of it feel like 
Ponyo, you could say. And I had a problem with it for a long time after seeing the film. I couldn't figure out what to think of it. Um, I couldn't figure out, you know, is is it just that, that Miyazaki is such a prominent influence in animation nowadays that it's impossible to watch something and think and not and not see comparisons um and you know tom moore does in fact talk a lot about miyazaki and his and his and him being an influence and for a while it you know it's been mentioned in lots and lots of reviews as well of of the film and i wonder what people thought about that and whether you know it's it's really noticeable or or whether it's you know whether miyazaki is is kind of so um influential he almost transcends influence for animation now and we just have to get used to the fact that some things are going to feel Miyazaki or or there's something else happening Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think really what I'm trying yeah, to say that's, that's... Is, is sorry. I think really what I'm trying to say is that um, I think I think what bothers me about about those comparisons that I've that I've seen drawn everywhere is that it it kind of simplifies the conversation around the film to comparing it to something yeah. which already exists. I see what you're saying. And there is a lot in the film which is unique, and just because it feels a little bit different, just because it isn't a CG feature. Just because it's a little bit quieter at moments and has altogether a bit of a gentler sensibility than lots of other animated films we're used to seeing, um, I think there's a danger of comparing the two a bit too much. Well, I think as far as just my my personal opinion on that idea is, I think it mainly a lot of it comes from the fact that the Miyazaki films were kind of the films that pioneered that style of uh you know of film using animation to you know emphasize like smaller quieter moments with between characters and making you know bringing to life the mundane through the animation and then combining that with um like you know the spiritual elements you know in the more so in the background than actual than the actual focus of the plot yeah but um you know I think it's it's really just the matter of the fact that those films came first, not the fact that those you know those films did that do those elements any better than Song of the Sea or the fact that so you know or or Song of the Sea is just you know trying to you know 
take those elements and you know do their own spin on them. But I think it's, it's very much its own unique thing, like you said. It's just you know that's you know the unfortunate idea is the fact that people are going to compare it to Miyazaki because Miyazaki did it first. And you know as more films are made that are you know go along those same lines and more and more people see them, I think that comparison will happen less. Yeah, I hope so. Because um, I must admit, I find it quite difficult to watch the wind dog sequence and not think this is cat bus, then take it for its own moment. <laughs> I surprisingly did not, uh, was one of those people who actually did not immediately mm. think of cat bus. I believe problem. it or not. Don't worry about it. And mundanity as well in the real world. I'll be honest with you, Chris. I think it's quite impossible to grow up in Britain or Ireland and not be influenced by the snowman and Raymond Briggs's um, uh, picture books. <laughs> Absolutely. All right, yeah. I have to watch that. I've never seen that. Oh, yeah, you're in for a treat <laughs> if you can find it, Yvonne. There is, um, Excellent. I think when it aired in the US, it aired on PBS. And no, no, they added, a, they added an introduction no. with David Bowie. Oh, yes. And David <laughs> Bowie was wearing the scarf that the snowman wears in the film. And he was sort of like, Woozle woos, let's watch the snowman. You know. Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the snowman. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so that's a that's a that's a treat. But also, um there were lots of specials done every Christmas or every other Christmas after the snowman aired that are really worth checking out. There's a brilliant one called Father Christmas, which is imagining Father Christmas as a bloke living in a normal terraced house who has cups of tea and says bugger. And <laughs> yeah, he, you know, it's, it's so delightful. But again, it's that thing of mundanity and the fantastical, mm-hmm. which I think, um, I'm not sure if it's, I think it's a universal thing with fantasy, but it's, it's the thing that is in British fantasy a lot, I think. In The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, you know, it's a wardrobe. What could be more yeah. boring than a wardrobe? <laughs> in, you know, in Harry Potter, it's a train station. It's, um, you know, I think it's... Uh, and, and, and that's why I think Song of the Sea is really successful in that it, it does things in a very classic, 
classical fashion that that really um you know uh respects the traditions from which mm-hmm. it from which it comes mm-hmm. yeah 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 it it is i think again actually it's one of those interesting cases where this film could not have been made the way it was even 15 years ago probably would have been a struggle because um it's it is traditionally animated it was animated using tv paint which is um a french animation software um and it was all drawn, you know, on Cintiqs, on computers. Um, and the benefit of being able to do that was that, as from a production standpoint, they could work overseas, they could have overseas studios working very closely um, with Cartoon Saloon's, um, you know, mothership <laughs> studio in, in Kilkenny. Um, because, you know, uh, animators were able to send... Uh, tests to to tom moore and he was able to look at them right away and effectively draw on the same drawings and you know offer his corrections and you know redraw some poses so it 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 really is is a wonder in that um it looks like a picture book but it couldn't have been made without all of these computer graphics programs like um, all of the animated textures as well uh, right. that you don't really think about. The um, the dude whose name no one is ever going to remember who has the long hair uh, <laughs> at the bottom of the well. Yeah. His hair is, is, um, is like a painted texture that moves and bounces and it looks, um, it looks so full. It's not like cell, um, cell animation where... You know, it's very block colours. It's um, mm-hmm. it's this textural thing. Uh, so you know, as as much as it's it's um, it's applauded for being traditionally hand drawn, which it is. Every single frame has a hand of an artist. Oh yeah, um, it would have been. It, it couldn't have been done without yeah. computers. Yeah, it would have been way more expensive. Well, I mean, we yeah. touched on the um, the thief, <laughs> the thief and the cobbler, but you know, there there you go. <laughs> you know, that was had all this same kinds of amazing special effects, but look what happened. <laughs> like it yeah. was too expensive and took too long, but you know. Yeah. And too many hands exchanging pro- the project, and you know. But um, actually. Stuff. You know, well, this is a little off subject, but, well, I'll just say it anyway. There, um, Secret of Kells, it seems like there's a whole, um, there's a whole homage played to um, The Thief and the Cobbler, that scene with, mm. gosh, I don't know what the sport is. <laughs> it's like lacrosse or something. I don't know what they're playing. <laughs> but there's like a ball getting knocked around along. Of, oh, is that what? Oh, yeah, probably, right? Okay, yeah, because I don't know what. I didn't. I didn't recognize it except there's sticks and balls being knocked around. And, um, <laughs> but you know, do you know the scene with um, with the the thief sort of getting um, hit and sort of pummeled by the ball? Yeah. And he's sort yeah. Of, well, in Secret of Kells, you know, there's that whole there's a whole scene with the goose, but it's almost like there's kind of a 
a nod to that film. At least it should have seemed like it to me. And then those expanses of kind of um, flattened backgrounds with super detailed design. Um, yeah, um, and there's also um, there's also a scene where um, in the Thief and the Cobbler, there's a scene where uh, I cannot remember his name, the villain mm-hmm. with all the rings on his on his oh, fingers right. is is um, is uh, shuffling cards. And oh yeah. It's a very, it's the most elaborate, like yeah. show off piece of animation you've ever seen. There's yeah. a part, there's a, um, there's a part in the Secret of Kells where there's a bit of homage to that, I think. Yeah, yeah, very cool. Yeah. <laughs> but um, I think, I think it's really, you know, important or interesting rather to talk about these things mm-hmm. because, you know, if you read lots and lots of reviews of Secret of, of um, Song of the Sea, they'll say, oh, it's a bit Miyazaki. But really, there's so much more. Um, there's so many more um, animators and artists influencing right. the design. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, exactly. But, but you know, like the designs, they're they're um, they're quite American, I think. A little bit, yeah. Like, and, and the, you're right. The, it definitely has like that. Some the kind of the simplistic design of like some kind of of some like american animation or cartoons i think yeah yeah the sort of like 50s like upa um thing where people were discovering you know actually something that has really carried through um song of the sea the sort of um the elastic way with which you can play with perspective and things Mm -hmm. don't have to be flat and you can draw a flat bottom of a jar but have a round top and it looks like it's drawn naively um Mm -hmm. yeah so it's it's really cool to see you know them open to being influenced by really all sorts of all sorts of parts of animation and art i think that's what makes it so special it's because it's it's really not borrowing from any one just thing or inspired by any one Mm. thing it's a combination of all these different artists and animators, you know, and, and, you know, ideas coming together and, you know, all directed to a single goal, which is, you know, bringing the story to life. And that's what we got. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Oh, yeah. It certainly is. I think it's it's interesting you say that because that's precisely um, how Miyazaki wants 
talked about culture. He sees it as a baton race where you take the baton from your influences and as you run with it, you add new things and then you pass it on to the next generation and they get to inherit it and add their own take on things. I, I think actually, you know, it's, it's a really Campbellian idea, borrowing things and, um, you know, making stories that are a remix of other stories. Well, that's how I think, personally, I think that's how a lot of, like, uh, stories in general just, you know, back in, you know, way, you know, our bygone ages of, you know, humanity back in, like, say, Greece or anything. That's how those stories are still alive today. Like, you know, each, each, they're being passed on generation to generation. And sometimes people will mm. change little bits and pieces. Like, um, let me try to think of, like, a really good, I, good example. Um, Arabian Nights. That's, you know, oh, yeah. classic, classic literature. And I mean, in the story of Aladdin specifically, um, mm. you know, that, that story has been, you know, passed down through a, you know, bunch of different people. And I mean, you can try and find the most, you know, or, you know, try to find the best version of it. Like, you know, the oldest version, see what you can, you know, how and compare it to like, say either the mm. Disney film or other interpretations of like, you know, of the story, but you know, it's still got the general heart of the story. But you, yeah. you'd be surprised at how, you know, especially when you look at the Disney film, how many changes that they made compared to what, uh, or how many liberties that they took with, from the original story. Oh, yeah. I, actually, and it's still a good, it's still a good, it's still a good tale, though. Mm-hmm. I think um, that's something in Song of the Sea, which, you know, as, as an intention for them making the film. There's, there's a really strong folk sensibility in that these stories aren't written down. They're kind of passed on and you have a responsibility to inherit things and the responsibility to pass those things on. Mm-hmm. Um, that's in, you know, thematically, really strongly in the film. That's, that's in just in the Song of the Sea itself, the song that, um, that Ben's mum is it Brona right. uh, sings? You know, yeah. it's I'm singing this to you. Don't forget it. That's and true. That's, yeah. that's what's so smart about the music is it's it's like him him chasing a memory. Yep. And and the fact that the the first scene has the very um, uh, blurred edge wishy washiness. Mm-hmm. It really feels like a memory. The sorts of memories yeah. that oh, you try and I chase. Thought- Yourself. Yeah, I thought that too. That definitely made me think of that when when I saw that as well. And and yeah, the stories being told through music, lyrics, and and art. You know, mm. it's like and this Secret Kells had that too. I mean, there was that whole fight scene, right, where um, the main character like uses this piece of chalk or whatever it is he's drawing with to fight the <laughs> like to fight the monster. Remember, he's like drawing yeah. line. That was amazing. And um, I don't know, all of that sort of. I know it pulls way back to, you know, I don't know if you guys ever saw that movie, The Cave of Forgotten Dreams, but um, about the cave. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my it's God. Yeah. It's amazing. And, I mean, so these caves are, I mean, some of the oldest um, drawings done by human being or mankind, right? And and um, they were done to be shown by the light of the flame. <laughs> so, mm. I mean, in a way, it's These caves... Like, 
they all early animation animated. <laughs> yeah exactly yes. very very nice <laughs> very nice <laughs> but but it was interesting that they used so so many you know the murals who became a theme were sort of something that they did in the beginning and the mm -hmm. end of the movie right mm -hmm. it's like yeah I, I i think actually i mean you know i i did like secret of cows I understood mm -hmm. that it was it was a good it was a good watch. I felt that in the Song of the Sea, it was done in a really natural way. Mm -hmm. That the story was not so meta. It was really concerned with the characters, with the yeah. central relationships and their their arcs. And then the mythology was slightly more incidental. It was it was something that was stumbled upon, right. and. Um, I, I felt it was woven into the into the film a bit more naturally. Yeah, I think you're right about that. <laughs> yeah. associated with it. We might well have been speaking almost as long as the film's running time. Probably. <laughs> so we might have we might have inadvertently made a brilliant commentary. <laughs> <laughs> but, you, but honestly, if you like animation, which is probably likely if you're listening to this, <laughs> right, totally. Yeah, if you've yeah, made welcome. it all the way to the end, you you need a medal. Congratulations! I'm talking, yeah, I'm <laughs> um, go and see it, and and yes. support and support Buy homegrown it, animation, it, whatever. Because this is so rare. Growing up, I, you know, I I can't think of any. Um, uh, British anime, well, it's not British, it's Irish, but bias. I know, I know. Bye, bye. <laughs> From these aisles? <laughs> You're not. From next door. Let's just say from next door. It's nice to see next door <laughs> doing a. Uh, um, but but seriously, it's um so just really quickly, growing up I I loved animation, but all of it was either American or Japanese. And apart from Wallace and Gromit, there was not anything which really reflected the world that I saw around me. Um in animation. I mean there was Dennis Menace cartoons on TV, but they were like this weird quasi Britain from the fifties. That doesn't exist anymore. <laughs> Um, and it just wasn't realistic. And I think it's really, really cool to see, you know, um, the world as kids might actually experience it reflected back at them in animation. And it kind of, you know, I can't um, imagine how many kids this is probably going to influence. Yeah, I hope so. I hope so. <laughs> yeah. And, and, you know, maybe, you know, 20 years from now, people will be saying, Oh, you know, oh, do you remember Song of the Sea? Oh, yeah, that was fantastic. I didn't see it at the cinema, but, you know, I had it on DVD and, oh, it was so 
it was so awesome, you know. Um, It'd be like, remember when you, you couldn't be in the movie while you were watching it? <laughs> headset? Remember when you just had to sit outside the screen? <laughs> I really... Exactly. Right. <laughs> In case it wasn't clear, if you want more, There is a lot more to check out from Cartoon Saloon. There is a TV series, a preschool series. There was... Um, Yvonne, what was the name of that short? Um, Old Fangs. Old Fangs. Um, yeah, so... Mm-hmm. Sure. You can find me at Rachel Ward at Fail to Ninja on Twitter. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Hamu. H A M O. I'm on Twitter at Eisner underscore Inc. the moon (laughs) come and hang out with nobody summers by the seaside and in winter at home by the fire frost on the window and snow snowballs and making snowmen one winter I met a really big snowman he got this scarf for me you see he was a real snowman 
University of Maryland Global Campus was established to bring a respected state university education to working adults at home and abroad. 70 years ago, we sent professors overseas to educate service members and their families on military installations and on the front lines. Today, we're online because that's where working adults need us, that's where you need us. We'll support your commitment to being a successful student with services that fit your lifestyle, and we offer more than 90 programs and specializations for where you are and where you want to be. University of Maryland University College is now University of Maryland Global Campus. We go the distance because times have changed, but what we're made for hasn't. UMGC offers online support for veterans, including resources at the Veterans Resource Center, no-cost digital materials replacing most textbooks, virtual advising, transfer credits, and lifetime career services. Speak to our dedicated military and veterans advisors who can help you find the right degree for your career path. Visit umgc.edu. Certified to operate in Virginia by Chev. The been thinking about McDonald's all day. Can't get it off my mind. I can already taste it. Ooh, got my mind on my mouth and my mouth ready for some Mickey D's deal. There's a deal for every moment at McDonald's. Right now, get two of your favorites for just $3.50. Mix and match a classic McChicken, a hot and spicy McChicken, or a juicy McDouble. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with combo meal. Single item at regular price. 